Well, here we are. My last Sunday. Andrew's going to finish up the interim. I'm, I've been asked to, to, to uh, begin an interim next week. So, 15 months. Who knew we'd be together this long? <laughs> I have thoroughly enjoyed my time with you. I'm, I became a part of this church. And uh, you have a great future. You really do. The, the question becomes, what should I do? What's the last thing you should hear from me? I, I think... Let's get the big picture. If we grasp this, you're kind of set for tomorrow because I have a pet peeve. I think there's a problem in modern Christianity, and it is we understand the what. We know what we're supposed to do. Be faithful, be at church, tithe, support ministries, prayer time, Bible reading. We're really good at what because we know what Christians do. The problem that I see, what doesn't create passion? In a way, doing the what, does that end up kind of being Jesus' chores? Living our life in the what mode, what we're supposed to do. There's no big picture in the what. Our passion comes from the big picture, the why. The meaning of life, I've said over and over, is kingdom, living my life that God received glory. Not living in the what, but why I'm doing what I'm doing. Once I have the why, the what takes care of itself. I, I saw this explain better than I can explain it, so I want to show you, but I want to explain first. Michael Jr. is a comedian. Uh, we love him. We've had, we've had him at Valparaiso a couple times. Uh, Michael Jr. does something that, that is really kind of neat because he's so fast on his feet. Partway through his, his comedy routine, he kind of says, listen, uh, everybody takes a break. You get a break, I, I get a break. Everybody takes time out. So uh, we're going to take, I'm going to stop your routine right now. It's my time out, my time. And he'll sit at a stool, sit at the edge of the stage and, and say, how you doing? He gets in a conversation with people and he's so fast at, at that conversation. And some of those he puts online and you can, you can pull them up. Michael Jr., it's called timeout or, or halftime or whatever. This timeout, I think, is very profound in the why. So I brought it. I want you to see Michael Jr., his timeout. How do I know? A lot of people, when they think of the phrase, how do I know, they always want to put the what behind it. How do I know what I'm supposed to do? The, the question that you really should ask is, how do I know why I'm here? Because when you know your why, your what becomes more clear and more impactful. If you know, like for instance, um, people know that I do comedy, but that's what I do. My why is to inspire people to walk in purpose. So I can do comedy, I can write books, I can be in a movie because all of it is motivated by my why. In fact, I have a new, uh, a new web series out called Michael Jr. Break Time. Uh, we probably just did the sixth episode. It's on YouTube. So every single Wednesday at 3 o'clock, we drop a new episode on YouTube of Michael Jr. Break Time. What it is is it's me. I travel around the country, and I do stand-up comedy, in case you didn't know. And in the middle of my comedy set sometime, I'll stop and just talk to my audience. And we've been filming this, and it's, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. So we're in Winston-Salem. I'm going to show you a clip from Winston-Salem. And I'm just talking to this guy in the audience, and he tells me that he's a, uh, a musical instructor at a school. So I was like, all right, you're a musical instructor. You know, can you sing? Let me hear you sing a song. So this is what happened at the last episode of Michael Jr.'s Break Time. Check it. So you're a musical director. Cool. Yes, sir. All right. So um, let me get a couple. Let me get a couple bars of like uh, "Amazing Grace." Can you do the first part of that? Go ahead. Amazing. 
How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Wow. That brought could sing. You know what I'm saying? All right, all right. Um, now, once you give me the version, is if uh, your uncle just got out of jail, you got shot in the back when you was a kid, I'm just saying, let me see the hood version real quick, if you know which version I'm talking about, just see if that exists. Let me see what you got. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that I want you to catch. The first time I asked him to sing, he knew what he was doing. The second time, he knew why he was doing it. When you know your why, your what becomes more impactful because you're walking towards or in your purpose. Oh, no, don't you get it? <laughs> it ain't gonna happen, cowboys. Has Satan won? a subtle battle because he's got us locked into what we do. Because we know what we do and we're good at what we do. And somehow the why we're doing all of this, why do we have church? Why, do we, why does real life exist? Why do we have children's ministries? Why do we have youth ministries? Why? And the thing that I noticed, people respond to why. Did you notice the crowd when he just sang it straight out? They enjoyed it. When he launched... The why, those people were on their feet. They were hugging him. People respond when you know why you're doing what you're doing. And the meaning of life is our why. I, I want to give you a verse. I'm going to tie it all together, I promise. Revelations 19.9. This is eternity, which, of course, none of us totally understand. I mean, and the angel said to me, write this, happy are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. The angel said, these are word, true words of God. So eternity, whatever that is, come on, there's a celebration, marriage supper of the Lamb, the reuniting of those that have gone ahead. I don't know how this works. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. But I know it's there. Somehow there is this celebration meal. And I had an epiphany in my life that made this incredibly clear. But in order to understand it, you've you got to get into my life a little bit. Tammy and I have two kids, Jonathan and Julie. You've, you've heard me talk about them a bit. Uh, these events are about Jonathan. I think I've mentioned his career, military. He's right now in Alaska. He teaches survival training. I always find it funny. He met his wife, Crystal, when he was stationed in Germany. She's in the military. 
I always tell them, you, you went to Germany to find a girl from Iowa. By the, the time of this event in my life, uh, they have two, two boys, just, just young boys, David and John. David is about two, give or take, and John is less than one. And in 2006, both Jonathan and Crystal are deployed in Iraq, which I thought was tough because they got two babies. A 13-month deployment. Jonathan, at this time, is a staff sergeant in 101st Airborne, Screaming Eagles. Crystal is stationed at the post office way back, a very safe deployment. Jonathan always tells her, your Iraq experience is a post office at a pizza hut. So now we have these two boys who are orphaned for 13 months. Crystal's parents live in Iowa. They have some physical issues. They're able to watch the boys some weekends. But basically, all truth be told, Tammy and I raised our grandsons, our two boys, for 13 months. Uh, we did it all. I mean, potty training all over again. I, I am too old to cheer poop going in a toilet. I'm sorry. But I kind of got angry over this. Things that parents should experience, particularly with John, the youngest, we heard his first words. Well, that's a parent thing, not us. We were there holding him at his first steps. That's a, that's a parent thing, not us. And it was a terrifying experience for Tammy and I because Jonathan was not at the post office in Pizza Hut. He was at the point of attack. The Screaming Eagles were, if you, if you can go back 16 years now to the Iraq war, remember that Sunni triangle of death? It's exactly where he was. His company was called the Widowmakers. Jonathan's a staff sergeant leading 14 other men under his direct control. I remember the night the phone rang and, you know, I got it. And the voice of the other side said, this is the chaplain from Fort Campbell. And my first thought was, the chaplain's calling us? He said, I want you to know that Sergeant John Tanner is fine. And I, I, I couldn't figure out what I, and he said, he, he, I think he could sense my silence and my not following. What the heck is he talking about? He said, this is your first phone call, is it? And I said, sir, I, I don't want to be unkind, but I have no idea what you're doing. I, 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 he said, okay. He, he was very gracious. He said, this is completely my fault. He said, let me just explain to you the military policy here, and it'll clear it up. He said, I'm the chaplain, and someone in Jonathan's company was killed today. And before we released that name, and, and the company number, part of my responsibility is to call everybody else in that company and make sure they realize it's not their son or daughter in case they hear it part of, part of the news. And so I'm just, I'm just informing you it's not your son. And so Tammy is watching this conversation, realizing I'm talking to the chaplain of Fort Campbell, so needless to say, I've got her attention. And so I, you know, I, I, I said, okay, I get it. I think it's a good policy. Thank you so very much. I hung up and said, so Tammy's going... So I explained to her, someone was killed, not Jonathan. And next thing I know, Tammy's in the den, in the lights out, crying. Now, ladies, can I just tell you, your husband's an idiot. Men, I'm not throwing you under the bus, I am too. We don't know, I don't know what to do, you don't know what to do. So I thought, okay, I'm going to give her five minutes. If she stops crying, I'm golden. If, if this continues, i got to go in there. Well, it got worse. So I'm a solver. I, I, I think guys tend to be, I want to solve why she's so upset. So I went and sat with her and I said, honey, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Are you crying because it's so clear that our son's in a, in a dangerous spot? 
Are you crying because there's a mom somewhere in America that got news that, that her son? Or, tell me, I, I want to solve it. Tell me, tell me why you're crying. I will never forget. She said, I don't know. I don't know. I just have to cry. So I, you know, I said, well, Tammy, do you, want me, do you want me to stay in here with you? Want me to hold you? Want me, want me to, to leave you alone? T t tell me what you want me to do because I don't know. And she said, I think what I need is to just be alone. And so, but as I was in a different room, hearing Tammy cry in the dark den, I got angry. The war is in my home and I didn't invite it. The war is in my living room. And over 13 months, we had 11 phone calls. Every time that phone rang, I was afraid of what it was going to be. I got angry at raising the boys. I got angry at Jonathan and Crystal missing the first steps, missing the first words, missing their life. Things parents should have. Years later, I discovered three of Jonathan's close friends were part of that group. And Jonathan was in a Hummer that was partially hit, went over an IED, and the impact blew out his fillings. The dentist came and he had field dentistry and while, while it was going on, he had, they came under motor attack. Even today, still dealing with jaw issues. Christmas 2006, we had a phone call. And I'm thinking, oh, not now, not now. It was Jonathan. All the soldiers on Christmas Day got about a five-minute phone call to call home. They called. And he meant well, but he said the worst thing he could possibly say. What did you guys have for dinner? Because our home's probably like yours. Tammy kills the fatted calf at Christmas. So here's Tammy hanging up, putting dishes in the dishwasher, crying. If she could have taken the leftovers in a stamp steamer to get it to her boy in Iraq. Uh, Tammy's heard uh, me tell our story, and she's not here today. She said, the problem is, when you tell it, I live it. His return was one of the most emotional days of my life. Crystal came home early. They kept the sergeants a, 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 about a week or two longer only to kind of teach the, uh, the incoming sergeants the, the rules of engagement and all. So Crystal came home early. So Tammy immediately went down, took the boys down. And it was tricky because the boys had to learn who Crystal was. A baby skins his knee, he runs to mama. Well, they would run right by Crystal to Tammy. So Tammy was there to kind of re-inculcate the boys back into their own life. And we knew that, you know, they don't announce troop movements to the world, but we would find out from Iraq they go to Kuwait. And from, we don't know how long they're going to be in Kuwait, but from Kuwait they come home. We always find out when they're in Kuwait. And Tammy said, any day now, Jonathan's going to be in Kuwait. When we get the word, you got to come down here because you want to be here when he comes home. I said, Absolutely. I told our staff guys, you know, have a sermon ready. There is a chance that I'm going to get a phone call on Saturday, and I'm out of here. And they said, absolutely. Well, Saturday afternoon, the phone rang, and Tammy said, John's in Kuwait. I said, I'm on the way. I packed. I wasn't there, but I guess it was very cool. Uh, Sean Evans, the executive pastor, said, you know, Gene's not here. He's going down to Fort Campbell to get his boy. And there was a standing ovation in both services, which I guess was pretty cool. What they do on the basis actually... You, you, you can't go on Fort Campbell Base, just, just wander around. It's very controlled. You're, you're checked on the way in, and you're taken to a particular parking lot, and then there's a bus that takes you back to where they're going to be. 
And it is actually very cool. There, there's this gigantic runway where you're obviously going to land. There's a chain link fence and bleachers where you can watch. And then you can go in the hangar. Where the, where, where, and when I went to the hangar, I thought it's obvious there's going to be a program because the bleachers are up. There's a little stage and area for like a brass band and banners hanging everywhere. Uh, well, well done, staff sergeants. Welcome home, Screaming Eagles. The, the whole thing. The thing is, we don't know how long they're going to be in Kuwait and how long. We, they, they could be arriving in two hours. They could be arriving in five hours. You, don't, you just don't, you don't know. They don't, they don't give you that information. They just say, come on over. So the, the trick was, we got two little boys. And Tammy and Crystal were so wise. They had this great big bag of stuff for them to do. About the time they get bored, up comes something else. And so Tammy and Crystal planned this day really wisely to keep the boys engaged. The problem was they didn't have anything for me. I'm, I'm the least immature. So I'm, I'm hanging out with them for a while by those bleachers. Then I'm going in the hangar for a while, hanging out in the hangar for a while. Then I'm going back and forth. Legit, I'm bored. A car pulls up with a license plate of two stars. I go, it's a general. How cool is this? The guy has come to welcome these guys home. How cool is this? So he comes out, and, and it, 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 it's out of central casting. I mean, his posture is just right. You know, he, he's, you could tell this guy's military his whole life. He's a general. He comes up to certain people. He makes his way to me. And he goes, I'm, I'm General so-and-so, MacArthur or Patton or something. And... Uh, <laughs> Shakes my hand, and, and he said, tell me, tell me who you are. And I said, well, yes, I'm, I'm Gene Tanner. My son is John Tanner, Staff Sergeant. I'm just here to welcome home. Thank you for your son's service. I'm so glad you're here to celebrate him coming home. I said, thank you, sir. You know, so I got nothing to do. So I think, I'm going to follow the general. Listen to other people, you know, because Lord knows I'm inconspicuous. So he goes and I go. I'm, I'm kind of just listening to people. He goes to this young girl. And she's holding a baby. And she says, I'm here for my husband. And she said, I was pregnant when he left. Pretty soon, he's going to see his daughter. I thought, oh, man, this is incredible. And right then I turned, and sitting at the edge of the bleachers was the cutest little kid, five-ish, red ponytails, no teeth in the front, she had a little poster she'd obviously made, scribbled, my daddy's my hero. And it hit me. Everybody's got a story here. I came apart. I mean, tears came out of me so fast. I, I, I was shaking, I was crying so hard. This, this man's going to see his daughter for the first time and Pippi Longstockings over here with her poster. I, I mean, I, I came apart. I thought, Tammy's got to see this. She's got to see Pippi Longstockings. Tammy's got to see this baby. So I'm running out to where she is with the kids and Crystal. And she sees me coming. And I mean, I'm barely walking. I'm crying so hard. And Tammy tells Crystal, something's wrong with Dad. So she comes to me and I go, come here, come here, come here, come here. Here's a baby. I mean, I'm losing it. I'm totally losing it. Tammy, who always has had more wisdom than me, especially because my emotions are all over the map, Tammy's pretty solid. She sat down with me, sat me at the edge of the, of the bleachers and said, you know something, here's what I think. I cried this whole 13 months in fear. You never did. You held everything in. I cried at Christmas. You held everything in. That baby's cute. That's wonderful. Pippi Longstockings is a cute little girl. 
But Tammy said, I think that you know Jonathan's safe, and somehow in your soul, you've given yourself permission to let it go. She said, crying out loud, cry. Cry it all out. I did. I totally did. You'd have thought I was at a funeral of a parent. I lost it. I just, everything came flying out of me. All of my anger. And about the time I was kind of done crying, and you know how you, just catching your breath, they announced the plane carrying the soldiers has entered Fort Campbell airspace. If you want to see the plane land, you need to go outside. Did we want to see the plane land? So Tammy and I are rushing outside. They're giving, they're giving us flags. It's so cool. When the plane comes, comes out of the clouds, it's escorted by F-14 fighters. And those F-14s bank off and go right over us and hit those afterburners. It's, it just adds to the emotion, the adrenaline of the moment. The plane lands, and I keep thinking, Jonathan's on that plane. They circle around, and they lower the gate, and then they do nothing. I'm going, let's go! They, they bring up the stairs, and they bring up red carpet. I'm going, come on, come on, come on and see my kid. The general finally makes his way over. He's got to thank everybody's hand. And then they began to come off, and we're all cheering. And it's kind of far away, but you can, you, you can make out what's going on. You don't, you don't know who's who. They're all wearing their, their desert fatigues, their helmet, their guns as they're, as they're marching off. So we're cheering them all. We're just cheering. We're all, we're all the same thing. They announced that there'll be a program that the soldiers need to go check their guns in, which I thought, good idea. And they'll be coming in. And so we are uh, making our way in the hangars, getting our, getting our seats in the bleachers. And I can tell, I, I've been in charge of enough programs, I can tell when it's program time. The general starts to walk up the platform. He's playing in the band. You guys okay? Chaplain, everybody's ready to go? And, what, and, and so I told Tammy, here we go, baby. And it's so cool. The general came up and said, ladies and gentlemen, please stand in honor. The 101st Airborne, Screaming Eagles, our home. And that, banner, and that garage door goes up. Those guys march in. The band's playing. You got goosebumps on top of goosebumps. I, I, I've, got, I've got a photo of the march in. I thought you might want to take a peek at it. When those guys come in, it's incredible. The chaplain comes up and says, I'd like a moment of silence. And they have boots, empty boots. And he names the names. And I thought, you know, these are names to us, but to those guys, it's their friends. Crystal said what's going to happen. She said, what, what, what they do, they're going to have to leave and, and out process, and they're going to meet us in the parking lot. But the general, the, the, the military knows we, ha we need time so the general's going to dismiss them for like 20 minutes or half hour. That's our time to go greet them before they have to re reform and, and go, go outpatient, out, out, out check out. So uh, Tammy and I said to Crystal, listen, here's, let's make a game plan. When they have that time, Tammy and I, we're going to stay in the bleachers. Jonathan doesn't need us right now. You, Don, David, and John, you and the two boys, you go down. And you have Jonathan all to yourself. And it's exactly what happened. The, the general said, okay, everybody, our program is over. They need to out-process. We're not going to take them away. We know you need time. So for one half hour, eagles dismissed. And people, like ants, swarmed out of those bleachers. 
And some of those guys went running up in the bleachers. And I'm sitting there taking this in. I mean, I've never seen a scene like this right before me in my life. The relief, the joy, unrestrained joy, the laughter, the crying. But I had an agenda. I found him. I saw him. He was a big guy, not obese, but big hands, big neck, a big guy. I saw him, saw his daughter. I saw him hold his daughter for the first time. I found him. I saw Pippi. She was climbing up and down her daddy. And in the middle of all this, you know how you have those thoughts that come out of nowhere? The thought hit me. This is the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is what Christ calls us to. It's almost like the Holy Spirit said, take in unbridled joy. Take in the relief. Take in the passion of the moment. I thought, this is the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is my why. I'm going to get to the hangar. I'm going to get to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Whatever that is, this grand celebration of reunion, I'm watching kind of like that. I have parents that have gone on ahead. I want to reunite. As I sat in those bleachers and listened to the, no acoustics in that tin room, the sound was deafening of joy. And the voice was saying, the best is yet to come. After a few minutes with his family, Jonathan looked up at Tammy and I and kind of winked at us. I didn't know Tammy could move that fast. Like those cartoons with smoke behind you. She, uh, I'm not sure she touched the bottom bleacher. She was in that boy's arms. Me too. I told him how much I loved him, how glad I was he was home and safe. I need to go back in time. Jonathan was probably in junior high. That's a weird time. You know, you're not an adult, you're not a kid. You're... And he was going through kind of, a, kind of a difficult decision time. And I said, John... Unless you and I go to breakfast, just a couple of guys hang out. I want to listen. And that became a tradition. Sometimes who knows what's going to happen. We went to breakfast, and anytime he had, from that time on, all the way until they left for the military, we'd go to breakfast. He said, Dad, I just want to think, think through something with you. And when he was stationed in Germany, Tammy and I, of course, went to Germany and saw him and met Crystal, and, and Jonathan and I went to breakfast. And the breakfast had been have been a tradition, something I learned a long time ago in counseling that I've used with him. People say, I've got five problems. No, you don't. More times than not, you have one problem that's caused the other four. I've got ten problems. No, probably have one, and it's given birth. You've got a ton of symptoms. Most people have a, a problem that has given birth to others. So when, whenever I meet with Jonathan dealing with what he's kind of wrestling through, he would, I, I say, Jonathan, what's, what's the most important thing? What, what is really the most important thing here? I think if we could talk about that, then we'll worry about everything else. Well, now he's back from Iraq. And they went to Crystal's parents in Sioux City, Iowa for a couple days. He didn't have that many days. And the game plan was they were going to drive to our house for a couple days. And, and like most people, he has a pickup truck. In the back of that truck is, is, is their duffel bags. They drove all day getting there at night. And they did what you parents have probably all, all done. The boys were in their pajamas, in the car seats, just taking them right up to the bedroom, the bedroom they've lived in more than their own bedroom. And so we knew they were coming in late at night. Tammy said, uh, you're going to ask Jonathan about breakfast? And I kind of overreacted, I know, hard to believe. I said, don't, don't, don't say anything. I, I don't want him to feel like he's got to give me any time. He's got some friends he wants to see. He's only here for a couple of days. Don't suggest breakfast. I don't want to tie him up. And Tammy, I won't. They pull in late at night, 
And Tammy and I rush out, and the girls do what they do. They're unbuckling both boys. Jonathan and I go back to, to the back bin, pull it down. We're, we're pulling off, off the duffel bags of, 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 of their packings and, and clothes. I mean, Jonathan really hasn't been here for more than two minutes. Tammy hasn't had a chance to even say anything to him. And while we're pulling these off, he says, we going to breakfast? <laughs> yeah! I was so cool. I went, you want to go to breakfast? <laughs> I was. I was so cool. And he said, yeah, I thought, I thought we'd go. You, you, you want to go tomorrow? <laughs> tomorrow? Sure. We went to Bob Evans on US 30 for breakfast. And it almost went to lunch. He had to tell somebody. And he told me everything. He told me what the war was. I, I, I remember thinking, I'm so fortunate. My dad was on, in the Pacific in the aircraft carrier in World War II. My son was in Iraq, and I, have not, I, I, I got skipped over this experience. He told me things that were horrendous. He said, you know, you can't tell mom. You can't tell anybody. And I'm not telling you. I'm not sure he told Crystal, but I think for his own cathartic, he had to tell somebody what happened at the front lines. I enjoyed it, but yet I bled over it. And when he had fired off every, every emotion he had, and we laughed and cried and talked, and father and son had done that for years, I couldn't help it. I said, Jonathan, you've blown my mind. He talked to me about dreams he was having, about post-traumatic that he was dealing with at the time. I said, Jonathan, here's my question. This entire war experience for you, what's the most important thing? And he laughed. He said, you are are so predictable. I knew knew you were going to say that. I said, okay. He said, I'm ready. I got my answer. I said, he said, actually, I have two. I think it's one A and one B. And I thought, okay. What's the most important thing? He said, despite everything that happened over there, I'm home. I got two boys and a wife. That's the most important thing. I got home. And I thought, amen to that, buddy. So now I'm curious. I said, well, Jonathan, what's, what's one B? Well, I mean, what, what's the, what, what else is most important? And his face changed. Sergeant Tanner came out. The jaw kind of leaned in. And he leaned in and said, I had 14 guys that I was in charge of. I got all 14 home. His voice changed. And that, that little voice that has a way said, you know, your son just told you the meaning of life. The issue is not get you to the hangar. It's get them to the hangar. It's get them to the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's to get them home. Get my family home. Get my church home. Get as many as I possibly can home. Jonathan lit up when he told me I got all 14 home. I want to stand before Christ and say I got my entire family to the marriage supper of the Lamb. I got those that I influenced, the marriage supper of the Lamb. I I can't sell it for anything less. It hit me right there. My why. Now my what makes sense. Why in the world do we bother doing this? Why in the world does real life pray about their next pastor? Why in the world does real life have children's program? Why in the world do you have adult programs? Why in the world do we have life groups? Why in the world do we do this? To get to the tanger. To get home. Whatever the marriage supper of the lamb is, this is all about getting you there. 
I'm glad you have a pastor. That's not the biggest issue on the plate. The biggest issue is getting you home. Keep the goal before us. That is the end game. The Lord's made the promise. 2 Peter 3.9. The Lord is not slack in doing what he's promised. In the way some understand slowness. But God is patient with you. He does not want anyone to be lost. But come to repentance with him. His holy desire. Get you. Me. Our family. Our church. To the marriage supper of the Lamb. Safely home. I can't think of anything more important to explain my last time to teach with you. Father, it's kind of an emotional story. It's true, but you spoke to me there. My why is get to the hangar. Our why is get our church to the hangar. Now the what makes sense. Father, I pray your continued blessings on this incredible church. We pray for Rich, his family, as they make the transition. We don't want to just say we're going to have our best days here tomorrow. We want to be so focused on the why that we can't help but have great days tomorrow. And we praise you in your holy name. Amen. Hey, can we uh, just say thank you to Gene? He has been such a great help to us throughout this time. So I just want to, we have a gift for him. We're going to give it to him in second service. But will you just let him know how much we've appreciated having him? We're twinning. We, we call each other. What are you wearing today? Thank you, you guys. It's, it's, I just want to pray with you, pray for you before you go. Um, we've always had the tradition of sending people, and I don't know that we're necessarily sending you, but we're, we're going to pray for you anyway. So, God, we just thank you for Gene. We thank you for uh, his heart and uh, his willingness to serve you wherever you're calling him. God, we pray as he heads into the next church, uh, the next group of people that he gets to uh, help cry and grow and laugh and learn all about you. God, we just pray that uh, they'll understand their why during his time with you. We just thank you for him. We thank you for Tammy, and we ask that you bless them. In your name we pray. Amen.